0: The TNT shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member at TNTradio.live. Be on the lookout and alert for anything out of the ordinary. Natalie Cheel and Rick Munn. Thank you for your cooperation. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
1: Good morning. It's the 2nd of January, 2024. That's the first time I've said that and I'm motivated and excited. It's my favourite time of year. Christmas is all about tradition, it's about obligations, well for me anyway, but the new year it's about building for the future, fresh start, letting go of the past, yeah I like it and um, excited, raring to go. Uh, I've already started uh, eating healthy again because I did rather let go over the festive period as I expect many of us did. I only put on £3.5 though and uh, I'm already over a week sober. Of course I did four months last year so I am determined to stick to that and uh, because I didn't drink that much over Christmas or December like I usually would. Actually I don't have very bad withdrawals either so I'm like all bouncing and happy, and that's the way we want to do it on Open Line. Uh, Rick and Gemma are coming up shortly, and we've got special guests again on the show today. We've got Steve Miller coming up first. He's a broadcaster and comedian, and Lewis Brackpool, who's an independent journalist. So many stories I could talk about this morning. Uh, I thought I'd start with our good old Sadiq Khan, the narcissist in his new year firework display he made it all about himself people are outraged not very happy it started with his his name put in lights basically it said the mayor of london presents and then it uh began a political display. Uh, I don't know if anybody saw it. I briefly caught the big pride display of colours and it said London, a place for everyone. So it seems uh, that's the way it's going to go on in London for the rest of the year. And uh, a 16-year-old has made the semi-final of the World's Dance Championship. So good luck to him. Nice to hear a positive story for a change. Uh, Someone posted this on Facebook this morning and I had to go to the Good Morning Britain page on X to check if it was true and if it was a real tweet, it is. Uh, The police are investigating the first case of rape in the metaverse after a child was attacked in a virtual reality video game the headset uh victim did not suffer any injuries or any physical attack but the police officers are investigating the psychological and emotional trauma so make of that what you will i don't know where the parents were why you can't turn a headset off and it seems 2004 is trying to top off the craziness of 2003. it also reminded me of a story i saw in the daily fail yesterday Ah. Theory me, the craziness continues, two women have created an AI chatbot to allow individuals in the workplace to easily find out if they are victims of sexual harassment. Women battling discrimination in the workplace can now ask questions to find out if that behavior is appropriate. Yes, you heard that right what is the world coming to? You actually have to ask a computer now to find out if you've been sexually harassed. You can't work that out by yourself. That's where we are. Uh, Yeah, it's not a parody. They are two genuine articles. You can go and look them up. So there we are, a good way to start the year. For me, don't go away. Rick and Gemma are coming up at TNT Radio.
2: Going 360 on the
0: headlines.
1: It's really well balanced conversation.
0: Today's news talk radio. TNT.
1: Morning, Rick. Are we uh, going to be finding out and uh, getting onto the AI chatbot? Do you feel you've been sexually harassed here at TNT no, Radio, Janita? Ask the question.
3: Well, no, I don't. I think people know whether or not they've been harassed or not. But I'll tell you what, Natalie, this is the truth. Uh, the last place that I worked in, uh, there was one guy in particular was notorious for harassing women, older women, middle-aged women, young women, girls in our workplace had been doing it for decades, did it blatantly in front of everybody, and was never reprimanded for it. People were wow. too afraid to come forward and report him because he was part of the establishment. It's insane that stuff like that happens and strangely enough, that bot thing to check whether or not you've been harassed, I know a lot of people were left, they knew fine rightly, they'd just been harassed either verbally or physically by this guy but nothing was being done about it. And actually when nothing's done about stuff like that, it then causes people to question, am I imagining this? Am I overthinking this? Am I overreacting this? Because a lot of crap is tolerated in workplaces. Sometimes women and men could be left scratching their heads going, well, uh, nothing's been, everybody saw that. Nothing's being done about that. He's been doing that for a long time. Have I been harassed? I think it's like a form of psychological abuse where it causes people to question their own sanity.
1: Well, I I remember going uh, to my first workplace in an office and uh, it was quite normal. Like I was like the 18 year old girl that came in. I remember being slapped on the bum quite regularly uh, by not not by the people at the same level as me. It was always the very highest level up. Mm Uh, so those are the people that get away with it, I think, because mm. people are too scared to say anything. So I think people know they've been sexually harassed. I don't mean they need the AI chatbot to tell them, do they, Gemma? Uh, but hopefully I'd like to think that things have improved slightly in 20 years
4: since since I was
1: first uh, into my workplace at 18.
4: Well, <clears throat> you'd like to think so, wouldn't you? But I do think a lot of women, they lack the confidence to really kind of speak up for themselves. And I do, I controversially, I kind of think that if you have the backing of a a piece of computer generated information to take to your boss, um, is the boss gonna argue with that? It might give some women confidence to report uh, what they know is wrong, But they just haven't got the inner strength to do that. And I'm just echoing your comments there, Natalie, when I first entered the world of the mainstream media way, 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 way back in the 1990s. I was um, sexually assaulted. There's no other word for it. A a, a local coroner's court when I was covering an inquest. You know, there was definitely very inappropriate touching that went on in broad daylight. Now, I've got balls of steel, for want of a better word. And I did pursue that in my first ever workplace. I was 25 years old and uh, it did not go down very well at all with my colleagues uh, at the paper where I was working because they were like, look, we need to keep in with the coroner and his staff. We need to keep in with the police. We don't want to antagonize them. And I was like, yeah, but it was wrong. What happened to me? Yeah. they were like, well, look, could you just stop making a fuss? Well, of course they picked the wrong woman. I did make a fuss. Um, and I think they realized then, oh, well, we shouldn't really, <laughs> don't mess about with this one. She's more trouble than she was worth. Now, luckily I was good at my job. If I hadn't, been good at my job yeah. at that tender age, what would have happened to me? Could I have found myself suddenly, oh, you're not right for the company, you're right for the setup? I mean, that was years yeah. ago now. That's in the 1990s. But it would have been very beneficial for me at that point in my career to have had this little piece of paper go. well, the computer says so. Can't argue with uh, that. You know well, what look, I mean? I would-
1: I would take it back because I was thinking it was a negative thing. However, um, you know, you've both said it could be useful. My only fear is, Gemma, that it's also going to be used for those trivial kind of things, you know, miss gendering you or saying the wrong mm. pronouns as well uh so actual not real cases of uh sexual harassment so that's what my fear was you know if the ai program is is put with the woke agenda what else is it going to come up with but i'm going to go with your gut what you've said and hopefully it's a positive thing
4: mm.
1: let's hope so yeah yeah and uh, what story have you got for us this morning gemma
4: Well, this is a a new development in a story that broke uh, last month. It's an international story, and it's drawn the the attention of the world stage because it's uh, it's coming out of China. And, of course, as we all were hearing over the last four years, I mean, can you believe it's four years now since the madness? But a lot of commentators, especially on the the alternative freedom scene, were saying, if you want to see what's going to happen in the West, we need to look at China. And I do think that this story today with the the new line is is very, very appropriate. Uh, The trial of the Hong Kong businessman Jimmy Lay started Last month. It's due to last 80 days. He's uh, a pro democracy media mogul. He's the founder of a, of a former newspaper in Hong Kong called the Apple Daily. Um, and he faces he's 76 years old, this guy, and he faces life in prison if he's found guilty of threatening Hong Kong security and colluding with foreign forces. Um, now, it's all about freedom. He's a pro democracy campaigner. He it took part in lots of um, freedom protests, pro democracy protests that kicked off. And this this of course is all to do with the fact that um, Britain gave Hong Kong back to the Chinese in uh, 1997. At the time, there was a mutual treaty signed saying that China basically said, look, we know Hong Kong is extremely westernized. It's a former British colony. We're not going to interfere in governance. There'll be kind of two parallel societies for the next 50 years, and then we'll look at it again. In 2014, it rescinded that and said, right, we consider that treaty to be null and void, uh, and we're going to do what we want. And then, of course, that saw a huge clampdown on personal freedoms, a lot of pro-democracy protests. He was part of this. And along with 250 other people was arrested uh, and accused of breaching national security law, which was brought in in 2020. Today, he's pleaded not guilty to the charges leveled against him, but he's coming up against the Chinese government. They've picked the lawyers that they want involved in this case. He's not even allowed his own legal representation. They've picked the lawyers that they feel fit to represent him. And this is obviously a massive clampdown on freedom protests well, we all know where we were with those in, in the West two, three, four years ago. Um, it, it's a free speech. The The newspaper that he founded is now defunct. He's been charged with fraud, but more importantly, this uh, this uh, kind of sedition charges uh, threatening Hong Kong's security. I think if we look read between the lines, we could possibly say the fraud charge has been trumped up. So today he's actually pleaded not guilty. So this is where the trial will really get underway and we'll hear evidence from both sides, how his evidence will be presented given that Hong Kong of China has decided who his lawyers are going to be will be a moot point but he obviously even at the age of 76 where he faces life in prison he's determined to fight this and it'll be interesting to keep an eye on it we covered this story here on tnt when uh when the trial originally started back in december today he's entered his plea and we'll see what's now said in court so this is likely to set a precedent
1: isn't it rick uh depending whether he gets charged or not in hong kong
3: yeah it says as well in that article that there is one of 250 people that have been detained uh, under this uh, nsl and sedition charges so th- this guy's not alone if you think about it 250 is an awful lot of people that they're actually being you know physically detained because of what they've allegedly said threatening the security of hong kong etc and now this old guy could be a scapegoat uh, if he goes down or he's found guilty uh, a message is going to be sent out it doesn't matter how old you are he's 76 years of age we're going to give you life imprisonment uh, if you speak out A turn and even if you do get to court if you do have your day in court we're going to decide who your lawyers are going to be as well? Uh, definitely uh, meant to strike fear into the hearts of the the Hong Kong residents to stay in their places and keep their mouths shut and be good little good little citizens, uh, especially if this guy is actually found guilty.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, I I must admit I had to uh, look it up um, Hong Kong, China, what what the whole situation was over there. Um, and uh, thank you for giving the background. Uh, and it seems uh, over there, like the West. Uh, freedoms are being taken away aren't they Gemma Uh, they they don't want people talking and uh, they're using uh, the courts to shut people up and this guy's going to be made an example of and hopefully they're hoping people won't do that they're saying people don't do the same
4: well, of course, the problem is, is it's Hong Kong. So this has been going on in China. I wouldn't wager, you know, you can't say yes. anything in China, can you? It's absolutely clamped down on everything. Um, you know, the, what we saw, the images coming out of China four years ago, of people dropping down dead in the street. We know that that was all fakery. We know that was all just designed to install fear. And you don't know what is going on behind that curtain. But of course, China now, it's got Hong Kong back and it's already reneged on the treaty where it said, you know, we know it's a West, it's a Western Effectively, it's a two-tier culture. It's West meets East. Um, And it said, we won't mess about with it. We'll let it kind of settle down for 50 years. They've already gone back on that. That's what sparked all the protests. The interesting thing about this uh, man, as opposed to the other 249, Rick, is he's a UK citizen. And David Cameron, our new foreign secretary, has waded in and said, look, can we just get him released? He's a UK citizen and can come and live back over in the UK. Uh, let's just draw a line under it. But of course, as you rightly say, there's the other 249 people facing exactly the same charges, but they don't have UK citizenship. They don't have the high profile Lord Cameron wading in. This guy is a millionaire, if not a billionaire, he's a media mogul. He's got considerable clout and he's a well-known international figure. The others aren't. They're languishing in solitary confinement in in Hong Kong jails, waiting for this to happen to them. So this will be a huge precedent, which is, I think, why today he's pleaded not guilty, even though he's 76. I mean, the poor guy's pushing 80. Um, He knows the international world eyes are on him. So did the Chinese government. So it'd be very interesting to see how this plays out, as opposed to if it was happening behind closed doors in China, in Beijing, where we wouldn't be able to know any of this. We wouldn't be able to know what's going on. No.
1: Yeah, that's a, thank you so much for bringing that one to us, Gemma. Um, and uh, we will keep you updated on at TNT because it's a very important story. We've got to take a quick break. And then when we come back, I'll be interviewing Steve Miller here at TNT.
5: TNT Radio's James Freeman. We have new revised figures from the Office for National Statistics showing that legal, that's not illegal, that's legal, net migration to the UK has witnessed one of the largest increases on record. Three quarters of a million additional people are now living in the UK in the space of just one year. A huge number that comes just three years after we left the European Union. Now, I didn't vote for Brexit. um, because of immigration I voted because of democracy but millions did vote because they think too many people are coming into the country which makes what the government has allowed to happen an absolute two fingers up to the people and democracy another example if we needed another of how the government does the exact opposite to what the people want and vote for The Freeman Report
0: and James Freeman on today's News Talk Radio TNT Affordable
2: housing we can build that Sustainable housing, we can build that. At MIT Modular, we understand the importance of housing for all and the importance of design, cost, and functionality. Our goal is to meet the needs of our growing population by converting shipping containers to livable units. If you're like-minded and in a position to invest in something meaningful and life-changing, we want to hear from you. We are a team of professional architects, engineers, and financial and tax experts dedicated to offering unique solutions that provide a brighter future. Our Opportunity Zone Fund offers investors both real estate and operating business diversification, five-year tax deferral on capital gains, annual tax benefits, and ultimately tax-free appreciation potential. There are opportunity zones all over America. If you're interested in learning more about our services, need affordable housing, or want to participate in creating a new vision for tomorrow, give us a call in the U.S. on 385-985-5702. Or read more at MITModular.com. MIT Modular. We can build that.
4: Listen. Listen up! Now listen, we gotta talk.
0: It's what we do best. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
4: Welcome back. And I'd like to
1: introduce to the show, Steve Miller. He's a broadcaster, author and comedian. And he used to host the show Fat Families, which I went and uh, re-watched yesterday. Uh, What a truthful show, a breath of fresh air. He also wrote a list of anti-woke ways to be fat in 2024 on X. As people start their New Year's resolutions, uh, good to see you, Steve. Uh, I well, saw I, people... listen, I, yeah. can I check? Can,
5: can you see me? Because I seem to have lost you again.
1: No, I can say, we can see you fine. That's we, okay you're, you're then. There. Don't
5: worry about it. We'll, we'll carry on as though it's audio because I can't see myself. Not a problem. How are we doing anyway? All right.
1: We're we're all good. Uh, I good. saw loads of people reviewing the show. They said, "Miss the show." People are too nice these days. Is that the problem, Steve? that uh, people are uh, virtue signaling they don't want to tell the truth about weight loss and fat people?
5: Completely. 101%. Absolutely. Woke is making us wobble even more as human beings. <coughs> and it's a real worry because this normalization that's happening when it comes to obesity is potentially going to, you know, kill people, puts people on death row. And, um, and unfortunately, yes, we've now got into this, culture of of kind of every time you talk about weight, everyone starts calling you a fat shamer. I mean, I'm called it all the time. I don't think I'm a fat shamer. I think I'm a lifesaver. In fact, I tell people they're too gorgeous to be fat. That's quite nice. I think But they even think that's fat shaming. So I think actually, yeah, I think we're we're now hopefully this year, I don't think we will, but I keep the hope that we can restore common sense, we can realise that obesity ain't good. It ain't good to be fat. And we can actually have that dialogue a little bit more and we can stop singing. If you're happy and you're fat, clap your hands.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say, because they put Lizzo up as a role model. We keep seeing these uh, kind of overweight models being tell they're absolutely beautiful, they're stunning, they're brave. So we hope this year that there's a bit more common sense and, and you know, there's no problem to say that you're beautiful at that weight, but at the same point, you are also very unhealthy and that's not good for your body, is it, Steve?
5: No, and, and we have gone from the catwalk to the walk. That's, yeah. uh, you know, we, we really have. We've gone into this sort of celebratory mode of like, you know, applauding people to put on loads of weight And what did we read a few weeks ago? Four of those influencers have now died before the age. I think it's before the age of 45 years old. Now, you know, logical common sense says that when you when you get to that size that those guys were, you're going to put strain on your body and your organs. You don't need to be a doctor to know that. It's just common sense. Um, And, you know, I just think sometimes as well, we've lost our sense of humor. About about these things, um, you know. Uh, uh, if uh, there's no way fat families would be recommissioned now, for example, simply because can you honestly imagine me going on doing a piece to camera? You know, watch out, massive fatties! I'm coming to get you, and all of that. I mean, it, it wouldn't work. Or you know, watch out, butterballs! I'm coming to melt you. That sort of humour's gone, and I say this as someone that was well i was a real chubster i mean i looked down my stomach was out so much i couldn't see my feet i looked like a question mark and um and it's quite sad um and it's worrying but and, and it's not about being cruel to people everyone thinks oh you're talking about fat it's all about being cruel to people. it's not cruel at all it's actually very kind to actually say to someone let's sort it out being fat yeah. ain't good um yeah but unfortunately I think those days are over on the one hand, you see, you've got the government and all of the professionals saying, Oh, obesity is very not good for you. And it kills you and all of this sort of stuff. Then on the other hand, you've got, Oh no, you've got to love your curves and all of this sort of uh, nonsense, these euphemisms. I mean, I've got a couple of curves on over, over Christmas, you know, um, and I shall melt them. I shall melt them. Absolutely. Um, yeah. and also, you know, people say, but, you can be, like you were saying earlier, you can be beautiful and big and fat. And and of course, you can be a beautiful person. Personally, I don't think fat does much for my looks. I mean, I'm chubby cheeked enough as it is. And if I pile more on, then my eyes disappear. So actually, I don't think I look good fat either. Uh, but you're not allowed to talk about that side of it either, you know. Well, you know, I, I I say this. I think we've got to get a grip as well. You know, we can't be bullied into terms of what we can say, what we can't say all the time. And there are boundaries, of course. But at the end of the day, come on. Yeah. Call cool to be fat. Uh, they do lally bloody taps.
1: Yeah, I did see uh, one of your tips was avoid denial. Curves means chubsters. Uh, and, and I did see the show as well. You are empathetic. Obviously, there's a big difference, isn't there, between actually being horrible to someone in the street and like shouting at them, saying, oh, you, you're fat, and offering support totally. at the a- same time. And that's yes. the important thing to, to you know, distinguish, isn't it?
5: Absolutely correct. Absolutely. Now, that is fat shame. If I was yes. walking around the streets shouting, Oi, fatty, sort it out. You're right. That would be terrible. And I would never do that. Yes. On a lighter note, though, people that watched the show, because it was a very high rating show in the day, they still come up to me, you know, and they'll say to me. And, I, and what I find, right, I'm sure a lot of listeners will get this. It's usually often as well, these skinny minis, these politically correct poshes, right, as I call them, that are the ones that rah, 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 have a little go. Um, yeah. but I, because I get a lot of people in the street that are really too fat and they'll say to me, go on, Steve, tell me, tell me, give me some of your strap lines <laughs> so I can be there in the streets, let's say uh, Birmingham or wherever, and, and people look at me gone out because I'm, I'm doing these things, but people love it. It makes them laugh. And I've always said, you know, humour is great. There's a lot of yes. science behind humour in the application of it for your own self-motivation and uh, the ability to move on if you if you're not doing particularly well uh, and that's where uh, that's where i where i apply the humour and i'll continue to do that because i think that you know we're losing our humour quite a lot in the yeah, uk I've- to-
1: I've always tried to take the piss out of myself. Um, I think it's a really important thing to do. I've, I've only put on three and a half pound over over Christmas, over the festive period, but I've still got about a stone to go, Steve. So what's your recommendations? Obviously, eat less, move more. Any recommendations well, to I think, people yes, like me? I,
5: yeah, I think uh, that's a great question. And by the way, I'll probably put half a stone on. I don't care. But here's what to do. Number one, let me give you some guidance. Do not, blumming I in mean diet. There are demons. Instead, eat 80% healthy and 20% of it of what you fancy. Okay, so that's your food. Use your common sense. Don't make it complicated. If you're unsure about a certain food, Google it. That's number one, okay, 80-20. Number two, implement something that motivates you daily. For example, if you've got an outfit you want to fit into desperately, but at the moment you can't, why not eat your meal in front of the outfit at home? So you've got it there reminding you, yes, that's why like you're doing it there's some there's some motivation and 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 the third thing i do recommend people look into actually is is some mindset support such as hypnosis hypnotherapy that sort of stuff because managing your weight is not about the food oddly it's not about being all making life all complicated about the food it's about getting in the right mindset and in the right uh, sense of motivation as well and when you've got that the lard melts. You you become a lard liquidator.
1: I love that lard liquidator. That's what I'm going to be for the next month. Yeah, and I do agree. Me and Rick say it all the time. It's about mindset. That's why I've also got sober as well because I find when I'm drinking, I'm in the wrong mindset. I eat too much food. Uh, we've just about run out of time, Steve. Thank you That's so okay. much for coming on. I've uh, really enjoyed Been a it. The joy keep calling people out and uh yeah we we will we'll be keep battling against the, the fat all of us uh, yes and, and a on a final the
5: comment a, a, yep. a final comment always remember and the listeners you're too gorgeous to be fat
1: that's true i'm going to keep saying it that's my mantra for today thank Good you Steve. You. we've got Loved to get on it. to the headlines and uh, uh we've got more thank to you. come on TNT radio thank you very much hey guys great news
5: news radio TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. South Korea's chief opposition leader has been stabbed in the neck while speaking with reporters in Korea's second largest city. Fighting has picked up in Ukraine, with both sides stepping up attacks against the other. It appears Israel's bound to pressure from Washington, announcing it's pulling thousands of soldiers out of Gaza. And it's been revealed a pilot who was killed in a mid-air crash involving two helicopters in Australia last year had cocaine in his system.
0: Globalist agendas. Democratic rights at risk. Corruption. Propaganda. It never stops.
3: okay welcome back to open line this is tnt radio we're motoring our way through january it's the second of january and we're very happy to be joined here on open line for the very first time by mr lewis brackpool lewis is an independent journalist uh, he has a focus on politics And culture. And he's on here today. Uh, Lewis, I want to thank you very much for taking the time out of your day uh, to join us here on TNT Radio. There's a question you were asked recently. I want to repose it to you again and try and get the TNT perspective on this one. Uh, It was a question Do you think the legacy media will survive in 10 years' time? Your answer to that uh, pretty much was uh, you can't predict which outlets will actually die off, but it's becoming more apparent that the average person is getting the information for, from social media and that there needs to be more uh, citizen journalists out there. Um, talking about that topic just uh, briefly here this morning, we can see the like of the BBC uh, You know, calls for it to be defunded, less people paying their licensing fees, the same things happening here in Ireland. Could we see potentially within the next 10 years the be dying off completely or the government bailing in to keep it afloat or simply a rise in more independent stations like TNT Radio, for example?
6: Well, hopefully the last two, Uh, that would be very nice. Um, The the thing is, with with this, like I already said, you cannot predict which medias are going to go bust or go under completely, unless I actually knew something, which I don't, by the way. Um, But to to add to that, I think we're just going to see we're going to see mergers i predict mergers so some news outlets or some legacy media outlets will be struggling this year so much because of whether it be narratives whether it be funding whether it be lots and lots of different aspects but i believe that you're going to see mergers and a huge rise in citizen journalism because now more than ever uh, platforms such as twitter formerly known as twitter now as now known as x they are now hubs for information, where people can now go on and just share so much of what they see personally. If they just go out with a camera, point it, shoot. You don't have to give an opinion. You just show people what is is happening within the real world, and people will flood to that account now. And I I predict, yeah, mergers and just rise a, a huge rise in in people. Uh, just wanting to go out there and just find the truth or find new information
3: and and and, us tell me this uh, with the, the lack of regulations being brought and obviously people with cameras people being able to speak their mind people being able to talk freely is a threat two narratives that are being pumped out there and we saw this more than anything during the last you know three years now it's coming up to the third anniversary of you know the scandemic being unleashed upon the world at least the propaganda anyway first thing that was done was people were stifled they were censored on social media platforms if they spoke out against covid they spoke out against the vaccines when they were brought out you know they were uh, suppressed and they were kept under is that not a good sign, although it was a bad thing that it happened, but was it not also a good sign that it, this must be some type of a threat to the narrative, otherwise it would just let us talk freely amongst ourselves in our so-called echo
6: chambers? Absolutely. And a great example of this is the online safety bill that's been a massive push um, to silence or, or to to now regulate the internet. We know that broadcasting um, or mainstream broadcasting is heavily regulated by Ofcom, especially in the UK. So now to to transcend that regulation from not only broadcasting, but onto the internet, you're now gonna see a massive shift. And if anything, I think it could be just a big resurgence in just more information, people wanting to challenge the establishment a lot more because they can see the threat so imminently so yeah uh, i think we're going to see a massive push which i think is a is a fantastic thing
3: now what do you think about this in terms of uh you know you experienced uh censorship particularly hard on twitter platform for example yeah. for the things that you said but Both of us effectively connected through that platform, and both of us ultimately have ended up here doing this job because of the work that we were doing on these social media platforms. So, you know, the importance of having an outlet that you can't speak your mind is obviously crucial, and of course, it can lead to other things, and that's how we all, technically speaking, all connected here even today.
1: Yeah, Absolutely. Uh I was, sorry I, was like, uh, I, had, I just, had my uh had my uh account actually taken off Twitter so I was one of those oh, really? that was, was off it yet yeah, so I oh. I was taken off and then got reinstated so it's just uh you know if this online safety bill comes in you know that that's going to stop people like yourself people like me actually speaking out even more like yeah. you like you've pointed out
6: yeah absolutely and it, it's important to just stay headstrong in, in situations like these because there is always a loophole. There is always a way around these things and it's just about finding it. And I ran the online safety bill through ChatGPT and uh, went through it and dissected the bill and and, and asked the software to actually um, translate the legal jargon and then ask it questions. So I I recommend anyone out there to, if you're worried about something like the online safety bill, Definitely familiarise yourself with the bill and you can use a tool such as that to help you. Um, But it is it is strange, isn't it? It is almost like a blessing in disguise, really, because it does connect people. It gets people talking, it gets people saying, hang on a minute, there's something not right about what's going on. Why is this legislation, along with many others through to Canada, United States, Australia, so many other places doing very, very similar legislation? quite clearly, there is a there is an information warfare out there. And the governments around the world, especially the West don't like it, and they need to contain it. So it's good, it opens up the conversation, it gets people out there and saying, Do you know what, I'm going to challenge this, I want to I want to dig deeper. So it could be a massive blessing in disguise, like I've said.
3: Lewis, just uh, as we wrap this one up, um, there's obviously been a, a, the UK is not unique in or Ireland in terms of uh, clampdowns and people's freedom of speech. Uh, You know, it happened in Canada, Australia, New Zealand, uh, all across Europe, uh, governments were jumping on people when, when the Ukraine Russia conflict kicked off in February of 2022. Uh, Ofcom banned RT News, for example. We couldn't pick up RT News in Ireland. So we did we did experience a little bit of the, the, the squeeze of Ofcom. And if they get their way, uh, they'll also be able to regulate social media providers. So even though they may give you a freedom of speech platform, Ofcom then have the ability to jump in and possibly de-platform them completely. So I think it's important uh, to keep up to date with what's going on in the world in terms of censorship and of course uh, what might be coming down the line ireland has a hate speech law uh, that they're trying to put yes. through a hate offenses bill which is possibly one of the most draconian bills ever seen on planet earth it's got the world's media attention do you think uh, that that could be uh, a make or break case for ireland
6: um yes it could be a make or break uh, which is why um ireland needs to I know it sounds typical and I know it sounds cheesy, but they do need to just wake up and smell the coffee now. I think this is this isn't about journalists. This isn't about um, this isn't about politicians. This isn't about anyone in particular. It's about everyone. It's about everyone and the information that is funneling through. And it's showing that the state and how the overreach from the state is just out of control completely out of control and if we've seen from the last three years state intervention isn't exactly benefit beneficiary to uh to the common man now i think we've seen that uh from the last three years so yes uh it is a make or break for ireland now uh especially ireland because that that uh, law that you mentioned that piece of legislation is like you said one of the most draconian i've seen especially within speech uh, i thought it was bad enough with non-crime hate incidences in the uk but uh that just takes it to another level so people need to people need to really equip themselves with information equip themselves with knowledge on what's happening and if you're struggling or if you want to do a bit of digging I i do actually recommend Um, taking bits of legislation, running it through things like ChatGPT and breaking it down and asking it questions. It's the closest that we can utilise tools against legislation that you disagree with. So I recommend that.
3: Well, that's a great piece of advice. And of course, uh, this thing isn't going away anytime soon. It's something that we're going to have to keep uh, raising awareness about and obviously combating. So hopefully uh, you'll be back again as things continue to develop to give us your input on what's going on in this particular field. So I just want to say again, a massive thank you to you, Mr. Lewis Brackpool. And if you haven't already done so, you can connect with him on the X or Twitter platform at Lewis underscore Brackpool, B-R-A-C-K. P double O L. And, uh, again, hope you have a good day, Louis, and hopefully I uh, will get talking to you again sooner rather than later. This is TNT radio. We've got to take a short ad break right now. And when we come back, Natalie and I still have plenty more to discuss before the top of the hour here only on TNT radio.
2: Military families often sacrifice precious time away from loved ones while serving our country. And for those with children, the separation can be especially difficult.
1: We were worried that with him leaving, that she would lose those connections with her dad.
2: Some of life's best moments happen between parents, children, and the pages of a good book. United Through Reading provides that connection. You can watch
7: your mom or dad read a book to you, and it almost feels
5: like
2: they're really there. We ensure they remain a consistent, meaningful part of their children's lives, no matter the distance. Just seeing Jacob recognize Daddy again after a long time just melted my heart. And now, as we're facing greater isolation from our loved ones, United Through Reading is also available to veterans. Learn more about United Through Reading and download our free secure app at unitedthroughreading.org.
7: Our beautiful world is changing, withering, dying, by the hands of those who don't value nature, even though we all depend on it for life itself. But there is hope. Together with caring friends, the Nature Conservancy can restore our lands heal our waters, and save our wildlife with big solutions only nature can provide. But every day we lose more of the places we love, and we urgently need to save endangered lands, waters, and wild species. The actions we take today will determine the tomorrow we leave to our children and grandchildren, the water they drink, the air they breathe, the beauty they experience to learn more about how you can help protect and conserve our beautiful world visit nature.org today be on the lookout and alert for anything
0: out of the ordinary natalie cheal and rick munn thank you for your cooperation today's news talk radio tnt
1: hello we're back again rick Welcome back. Yeah, we are. Um, What would you like to discuss next, Rick?
3: Oh, my goodness. Uh, There's still so much here on the table, Natalie. Um, Where does the time go? Let's have a little look here. Okay, so we have some other stories highlighted here. Obviously, to cover off before the top of the hour. There's one in particular that was a story that was raging. Earlier on, uh, at the tail end of last year, had to do with Mali, Niger, Burkina Faso. There was a lot of instability around the western part of Africa, just north of Nigeria. All those countries were having coups, uh, ousting their leaders, overthrowing governments, kicking journalists out, attacking the French. Now, apparently, uh, the UN have decided to withdraw their peacekeeping mission from uh, the country of Mali. They have now fully completed their withdrawal. So uh, as per the very end of last year, the UN peacekeeping mission in Mali uh, is poised to complete its withdrawal from the country on Sunday, which was uh, just two days ago. The United Nations has said in a statement, security experts warn the area could now become the focus of a struggle in the north as rebel groups in the army seek to take areas that the UN has left further destabilized Stabilizing Mali, uh, where Islamist militants linked to Al Qaeda and Islamic State also Rome. So uh, when I read this, and you and I have talked briefly before about what happened in Rwanda, not the moving of illegal immigrants there by the British government, but the genocide that happened there back in 1994, Uh, this was known about in advance by the United Nations who chose to take no action or intervene at all. And there was uh, 800,000 people killed in the space of about a month. Now we have the UN withdrawing from Mali. And they're already talking about destabilization in the area and rising of militant groups who will be able to operate unchecked i just have a a hope and a belief that this does not end up in a rwanda part two in that particular part of africa
1: well, I must admit, you know, I I didn't know much about it. I had to do some research. Um, I saw this on the BBC um, coverage of it as well. So the UN's mission's head said it tried to do a lot, but it fell below expectations with some 310 peacekeepers already being killed. Um, and uh, 12,000 peacekeepers have been told they need to leave. Now that's because of violence that has already erupted there because they started to leave in August. And that's when, uh, you know, They've seen an opportunity. So really, to me, isn't the idea of peacekeepers to come in when it does get violent, but instead they're pulling them out instead. So I can only see that this situation is going to get worse, sadly. Um, And uh, I hope not. But like you said, isn't this exactly what they did in Rwanda When they saw Mm -hmm. there was trouble, they removed the peacekeepers and then so, so many more people were killed. So really, there should be more intervention at the moment, not less, but they are deciding to take all the people out there.
3: And it's a very unstable region uh, in general. Natalie, it's over in the western part of yeah. you, you know, if you cut Africa in half, north to south, and then just go right across to the west, this uh, blob of landmass where uh, Nigeria is a huge country. There, yeah. uh, it's very unstable. Uh, it's roughly divided north and south between Christians and uh, Islamists. Uh, then you have Mali, Niger, Burkina Faso, all sitting on top of. Nigeria and last year we saw the coup happening in Burkina Faso and also in Niger and now we have this incident here happening in Mali a very unstable part of Africa and when things kick off in Africa Natalie believe me they kick off uh, like you wouldn't believe uh, the intensity and the brutality and the scale of violence is hard to fathom so to remove again the UN to remove a peacekeeping force completely in an already unstable area I have to ask questions about this. And like I said, I'm not saying it's going to be Rwanda part two. I hope and pray to God that it's not. But it's the same sort of vibe that happened there back in uh, 1984. And what happened there was uh, beyond horrific.
1: But but I would also like to say, you know, this is not politically correct. But if Black Lives Matter so much, this is what they're pushing in the West the virtue signalling. Why don't the black lives matter in Africa? Because it because
3: matters. <laughs> it, yeah,
4: because black, only lives, if-
3: black lives only matter when white people can profit off the back of it or other black <laughs> yes. people can profit off the back of it in the West. Black lives don't matter in Africa. Black. No one gives a damn about black lives yeah. in Africa, pretty much. It's only if you're in the West and you're black that you matter. If you're an African black, you're, you're worth nothing. You're worth absolutely yeah,
1: ex- zero. So, so, you know, we're told it's terrible that people are losing their life in Ukraine. It's terrible that, you know, the Israel situation, but nobody cares if the black people are dying in Africa, yet we're also being told that black lives matter. So the hypocrisy there, you know, we're just, we'll just take the peacekeepers out. doesn't matter how many black people die in Africa. That's how it seems to me anyway. Why aren't we seeing this as headline news? But yet we're seeing so many stories every day about, Israel um, and Gaza and Palestine but nothing about this one Rick.
3: No, no, we won't. Unfortunately, but what we might see is three to six months down the line, we might unfortunately be covering a story saying that so many people have been massacred in that area because there was no one there to protect them or because it was a very unstable area. And then we can cast our mind back to a story like this and say, well, you know, it was the writing was on the wall with that one. So that's why I think it's very important to cover these uh, African stories, because let's face it. Who else is doing it? Uh, even on alternate media, you don't yep. get people talking about the coups in Niger or Burkina Faso that are affecting hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people, and could result in uh, mass you know, movement of people and mass deaths and mass destruction. So I think it's nice to keep our finger on the pulse in the, uh, on the but continent of Africa.
1: Not not only is it important that we cover these stories, but it highlights how badly the mainstream media are are using their own stories, using their own agenda, using their own narrative. They're not covering these stories. um, And and there's a reason for it, because they're pushing what they want to have pushed. So uh, we will continue to cover those at TNT. Uh, This is another unbelievable story. Uh, This was in The Telegraph. An Albanian crime boss has been allowed to stay in the UK after claiming deportation, breaches his human rights. This is almost like reads like a parody. I mean, he was jailed for money laundering uh, for six years for smuggling 8 million of his gang's profits out of the UK in suitcases. Uh, He's described as having a senior and controlling role in organised crime. We're not talking small scale here. This this guy's big. Uh, And he obviously got some very, very expensive lawyers, which isn't a surprise when you're a big crime boss, uh, because they've managed to say that uh, his human rights were affected and uh, he had a right to stay with his family because he managed to get into the country by marrying a British person then he divorced her married the Albanian woman brought him in the uh brought her and the kids over and uh, that apparently gives him a right to stay in the UK despite being a massive crime smuggling boss what do we think about this one Rick
3: uh, incredible. Uh, hats off to the guy's lawyers for start, uh, you know, the guy's a convicted Hello. money launder, bringing millions in in suitcases, shuffling wives around, bringing the family over. He's only 42 years of age. He's a crime boss. And yet, his lawyers were able to argue that to kick him out of the UK would be to actually breach his human rights. So whoever his law firm is, uh, maybe it would be worth doing a little bit of research into that. I'll make a note of them down. If I'm ever in any trouble, I'll whip up a crowdfunder uh, and get this dude's uh, law firm yeah. behind me because it looks like they could get anybody off any type of hook. Unreal. Uh, he entered in 2009. I mean, he's been around since, what, uh, nearly 15 years now, 15 years actually, uh, since 2009. The The... Decision has provoked a backlash. But again, Natalie, is this not the problem? People get upset about things like this. People get worked up about stories like this. They're they're angry about stories like this, and rightly so. But nothing is actually done about it. Never done. Nothing is done about it. And I think all that does is it makes uh, a bad situation already worse because it's setting a precedent for him or anybody of his ilk to say well I can come to the UK, I can commit crime, I can not bring my family here, I can not get convicted and if push comes to shove I can not actually argue to be kept in that country because it would breach my human rights it's an absolute nonsense and as you said it's it's almost like a party story but unfortunately it's completely true and it's real and it's not an isolated incident the sort of things happening all the time
1: But it all shows that money talks in this world which is what we know, follow the money. I mean we know he's, we know he's- got a lot of money he was a money smuggler uh so at the end of the day you know he's probably got a whole lot more money stashed somewhere else and the fact that he was able to stay in the uk is only because he had money because most albanians will be thrown out of the country well not most there's a whole hell of a lot of that are still hiding but if they go to court do you think they've got as good a chance as this guy and his expensive lawyers or do you think or do you think the big crime boss might have paid a few people to stay in the country possibly as well rick
3: well, well, here's what he did. You know, he, he argued, one of the arguments was that uh, he claimed there were errors in the law in the decision and a breach of his right to a family life under Article 8 of the European Convention on Human Rights, the ECHR. So there's about several a dozen or more articles in that that say, Natalie, you have the right to work. You have the right to peace. You have the right to this. You have the right to that. Now, think about this. This guy argued under Article 8 to get him to keep stay in the UK because he had a right to family life. But during the lockdowns and during the scandemic, that ECHR, those uh, European Convention yeah. of Human Rights articles, were completely overridden. They were completely ignored and they weren't applied in any way, shape or form to your life or to my life or to our family lives in any way. And the fact is, again, it's salt in the wounds that an an Albanian criminal can use these laws to stay in the country, but you couldn't have used those laws to, for example, visit a dying relative in a nursing home because you weren't allowed to go in and see them because of uh, rules and regulations rather than actual law. So again, it's a slap in the face when people realise that criminals are using these laws to stay in the country but you and i couldn't use these rights these uh you know european convention of human rights articles we couldn't have used them to live our day-to-day lives so again i think it's just mental warfare on uh, normal people
1: it is and talking about corruption and uh, liars rishi sunak on Mm. x put a lovely tweet and the tweet weighs it's quite a uh, small. In 2024, we will keep driving forward, cutting taxes, delivering world-class education, taking decisive action to stop the boats. Uh, bringing NHS waiting lists down and much more. Let's get to it. And what is the funny thing about this? We know he's lying anyway, but he's been community noted for the first time. So if anyone doesn't know how to use X, know how it works. A community, note basically gets added onto a tweet to say, you are incorrect. Here is the correct information. And what does it say? The Conservative government has overseen the biggest increase in taxes during a parliament since records began in 1951, with the IFS suggesting households will be faced in a 3.5k rise in the next election and then it points out that nhs waiting lists in england were at record highs so not only is he lying rick he's outright completely and utterly lying to the core how do these politicians get away with it there should be some law that you can't you're not even allowed to lie to that
3: degree well the reason why people get away with anything in life is because there's no uh consequences so if you're uh, if you go into a shop today and just help yourself to some goods and walk out without paying and no one stops you you're not arrested well then what's to stop you from going back and doing that again tomorrow uh, there's no fear of repercussions and there's no fear uh, fear of the law because the law doesn't exist. In places like this, or in instances like this with politicians, the reason why they keep doing what they're doing is because they can't do that and get away with it because they know they're not gonna be prosecuted. Rishi Sunak in this case, made another little video clip uh, talking, uh, you know, you highlighted it there at 2024. He said, we'll keep driving forward. We'll cut taxes. We'll deliver world-class education. We'll take decisive action. Notice this, he dropped small from boats. He said, decisive action to stop the boats, not the small boats, just the boats and period. And also to bring NHS waiting lists down. And as you rightly point out, uh, one of the, I suppose, the wins from this new Twitter format or this new X format is that people can then uh, stick a note under his page, even though he's the prime minister and they can correct him. For example, saying the conservative government has overseen the biggest increase in taxes during parliament since records began in 1951. And in October 2023, NHS waiting lists in England were at a record high. So what they were saying is, Richie, you're talking BS basically, but even though he's been pulled up on this and even though you and I are mocking him for it and highlighting his lies unfortunately not like he's still in number 10 he's still unelected and he'll stay there until either stormer moves in or he's replaced by another stooge another unelected stooge in the tory party so no consequences people can just do whatever they like
1: I've been keeping up to news um, even over Christmas, and it's quite clear to me that an uh, early general election will be called cool. 2024, will it all be all about that. So I don't think he'll be uh, there for much longer. I think it's going to be pushed that Starmer will take his place. But it shouldn't also be that... It's almost understood now by the general public that all politicians are lying and you shouldn't trust them. But that shouldn't be the case. We should fight back against that, shouldn't it? That shouldn't just be like the mantra that don't trust politicians. Well, yeah, maybe we should and we shouldn't let them be lying like this. And people should start, you know, actually petitioning and doing something about that. He shouldn't be allowed to do it, should
6: he?
3: no it shouldn't Uh, again i hate to use africa as an example for this but one thing that they do is when they decide that someone is corrupt and they decide that someone has to go they go they don't take it to court they don't put it through the courts they just deal with that person very decisively and i'm not suggesting any violence is done to anybody never have done never will do but what i am saying is again Politicians in certain parts of the world understand that if they do step out of line or they do run roughshod over their people, there's a very strong possibility uh, they could end up uh, somewhere else other than in the House of Parliament, if you know what I mean. So again, there's a fear of retribution. There's a fear of kickback there. That doesn't exist in the West because these people think and believe that they are
1: untouchable. I like like the idea of, you know, like a citizen's arrest that you can make. Um, I like the idea of uh, uh, a large scale citizen's arrests on lying politicians. So when enough people like sign something to say this is a lie and we've got evidence, that should be enough. But yeah, we will instead on TNT Radio keep showing you their lies. We will keep bringing you the truth. And uh, that's all we can do at the moment. And uh, we will continue to do that job here. Uh, I've been Natalie Chill. Thank you to Rick. Thank you to Steve Miller. Thank you to Lewis Brackpool. It's been a great show for everybody's contributions. This uh, has been Open Line and TNT Radio, and I will be back tomorrow. Keep listening to Rick at Locked and Loaded in the next hour. Bye-bye. bye Bye-bye.